You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Take a 
to African Perspectives, where we view the issues of our day from an African worldview and African-centered perspective. This program is unapologetically African. It is a custom in the African tradition to ask elders for permission to speak, having been granted permission to our ancestors whose shoulders we stand on, to our elders whose shadows we walk in. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters, in the language of one of the greatest civilizations on this planet, it gave the world the basic disciplines of knowledge of science, math, architecture, music, writing, law, religion, you name it, we did it. The Greeks called it Egypt, but they called themselves Kemet, and Kemet means land of the blacks. I greet you all in the Kemetic language, the word of peace, Hotep. It is truly an honor and a privilege to pour libation because we truly do stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We're going to use water because water has no enemies. Water is the great cleanser, the great purifier. Everything on the planet that lives, it needs water from a tiny microscopic organism to a tall redwood tree. We pour water into the earth to invoke the spirits of our ancestors and we say the word ashe. It simply means so be it. So we pour this libation to God for all that God has done and for all that God will do. We sashay. We pour this libation to Mother Africa, birthplace of all humanity, everyone who has lived, everyone who will live in the future. We all have a common ancestral root in Africa. We pour this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. I mentioned Kemet in the opening. Kemet was the height, the apex, the zenith of African high culture. But there were others as well, as Tymeri, Punt, and Nubia. So we poured this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe. 
report its libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa, of Ghana, Mali, Zangai, Benin, Great Zimbabwe, civilizations that were flourishing and growing while Europe was in a medieval or dark age. The University of Sankare at Timbuktu, an outstanding educational institution. So we poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe. We poured us libation to the Ma'afa, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the Infakani, the great tragedy, uprooted out of Africa. Our brothers and sisters lay a carpet along the Atlantic Ocean. We're in North America, South America, Central America, and throughout the diaspora. So we poured us libation to our brothers and sisters who suffered the Ma'afa, the Infakani, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the great tragedy. We poured us libation in their honor and in their memory. We do not know their names, but because of them and their sacrifice, we are here. So we sashay. We poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. If you ever heard me do a libation, you will know that we were not slaves. I repeat, we were not slaves. We were captives. What does a captive want to do? Get free. So we poured us libation to all those men and women who fought against enslavement. In fact, I maintain that some of us are more of a slave today than we were in our initial captivity because some of us are a slave to vice, to corruption, to drugs, sex, and violence. So we poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey, Harriet Tutman. We always resisted and we will always resist. So we poured us libation in the name and the honor of those men and women who fought against our captivity. We poured us libation to those unborn, those young men and women who will once again lead us back on the stage of human history as a free and proud and productive people. We sashay. We poured us libation to brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. We need each other. We don't have good family life. There's a saying, conditions shape conduct and consciousness. The conditions in our community are bad. The conduct towards each other is not good because why? We lack consciousness. And consciousness is more than just awareness. Consciousness is a deeper understanding of who you are historically, who you are culturally. So once we begin to understand the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family, Brothers and sisters, let us all say, Ashe, Ashe. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Good morning, African world. You are listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and Black Talk Radio Network. Dot com And I am your host, Baba Oshi, Hotep family. Hope everything is well for you today. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a chance to do all the things you want to do, should do, must do, can do, and will do. Hope the weather was accommodating for you to do it. But of course, if it was not, and it had to get done, it must get done, then you will get it done. And you'll do it safely, for sure. Because it's hot out there. Man, it's hot 
<laughs> I just when I was listening to the news this morning, how bad it is in Europe, because a lot of European countries don't experience that. They're much further north of the equator than what the United States is. You know, in fact, that parallel is more in the middle of what what Canada is on that particular parallel. And so they don't have a lot of hot weather where some of the places there, schools and so forth, don't even have air conditioning. And so it's really tough. And of course, they got some serious fires going on. So that western portion of Asia, (laughs) of Europe, Spain, Portugal, France, along with uh, England, they're they're suffering what we're doing here right now because the whole of the southern part of the United States from the western part of the United States all the way east is under that same kind of condition. So be it as it is. Once again, you're listening to African Perspectives. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 12, excuse me, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., 10 to 12 Central, 9 to 11 Mountain, or 8 to 10 Pacific, or any other time around the world. But if you cannot listen to this program live, you can always go to our archives at timeforanawakening.com. And uh, when you see that at the top of the page, you'll see podcast. Click on that, and in the drop down, you'll see African Perspectives. Click on that, and there will be programs that are dated and titled. But also, too, you can use, just go to whatever search engine you have, you know, and you can put in babaoshi.net, B-A-B-A-O-S-H-I.net. And once again, there'll be programs that are dated and titled that you can deal with, whatever, how you want to listen or whatever. Okay? All right. Other programming we have here on Time for an Awakening Media. Once again, this program is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And all times are going to give our Eastern times. On Tuesdays, Black Realities Think Tank from 8 to 10 with Dr. William Rogers on Tuesdays. Then on Fridays at 8 p.m., Time for an Awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. On Saturdays from 7 to 9, the Sankofa Elders Council. And then on Sunday at 7 p.m. on Sunday, and once again, it's time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. And the number to call is 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. We Buy Black. We Buy Black, the largest online marketplace for American African-owned businesses is webuyblack.com. Get everything you need from American African-owned businesses, webuyblack.com. Africa for the Africans. Africa for the Africans, my good brother Bamani Tahimba. He's ready to take another group of brothers and sisters and uh, to the motherland. I tell you, I love to look at these pictures and love to see our brothers and sisters, you know, back home smiling and looking good. Well, his next trip is November 17th through the 28th of this year, 2022. Still only $3,800 is going to Tanzania. I'm quite sure there's room there. In fact, brothers and sisters, still early enough to jump on that. November 17th through the 28th. And then um, Ghana, December 24th to January 5th. Okay, that's $4,000 in 2023. December 24th to January 5th, 2023. Going to Ghana. 
March 30th to April 10th, 2023, going to Senegal and Gambia. Senegal and Gambia. May 24th to June 5th, 2023, going to Ghana again. And that's $4,000. The uh, Senegal and Gambia trip is still $3,800. And then July 20th through the 29th, July 20th, 29th to 2023, still $3,800, Liberia. Going to the country of Liberia. November 16th through the 27th, 2023, still $3,800. Tanzania, going to Tanzania. And then December 24th to January 4th, 2024, $4,000. South Africa, going to Azinia. Going to Azinia, South Africa. Once again, brothers and sisters, go to the website, AfricaForTheAfricans.org. AfricaForTheAfricans.org. And everything you need is on that website. All the information you need, the, the documentations that you need, visas and so forth, shots and so forth, everything is right there. Brothers and sisters, if you want to see pictures of previous tours, go to Facebook.com forward slash Bomani. If you want to see videos of previous tours, go to YouTube.com forward slash Bomani 2007. Brothers and sisters, give him a call at 404 931 9429. That's 404 931 9429. Africa for the Africans.org. Incorporated. Brothers and sisters, Habesha works and brothers and sisters, they are doing the work and they have a launch of the Kashi Project. The Kashi Project was Dr. Kweku Adua and uh, he was a botanist. And so they have this project in Ghana and they built, built some beautiful buildings, some chalets and so forth. I mean, it's going to be great. And so brothers and sisters, go to the website, Africa, excuse me, go to the website, HabeshaIncorporated.org. Habashaincorporated.org and check out the Kashi Project, which uh, is going to be October 8th through the 17th of 2022. October 8th through the 17th of 2022 in Ghana, West Africa, the Kashi Project. All right, dear brothers and sisters. I definitely don't want to ever leave out my sisters. Ledge, Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics, the Ledge Group. Brothers and sisters, the ledge group, they deal in the area of human existence that is so vitally important. Food, water, clothing, shelter. They have 12 projects on six countries with over 170 employees and over 260 members. Brothers and sisters, become a member of the ledge group. In fact, if you are a member of the ledge group, you can buy land in Tanzania at $250 an acre. That's right. And then you can develop that land build a home on that land, live here in the States and live there in Tanzania. I've known about four companies. In fact, I just seen uh, uh, on Facebook, Brother Adudayemi, who who took his family to Tanzania, doing great. They are doing beautifully. They are doing great. I'm telling you. (sighs) Go home. Let's go home, (laughs) y'all. Uh... Abibiatumi. dot com. Abibiatumi.com. Brothers and sisters, go to Abibiatumi.com. Everything you need is right there. Make it a favorite. The, the shopping, the news feeds, the groups, the forums, the, the events that they have, the, the educational process that they have. 
Abibia Tumi is the dedicated and complete total liberation. That's what they're for. The liberation of our people. Abibiatumi.com. Smy Pharmacy. Smy Pharmacy. Give uh, my good brother Jabril, brother Jabril, a call at 731 327 6229. That's 731 327 6229. Smy Pharmacy. If you want to drop him an email, send an email to smypharmacy at gmail.com. S M A I F A R M A C Y at gmail.com. Smy Pharmacy. All right, brothers and sisters. I love it. Wadada's Healthy Marketing Juice Bar located on the West End here in Atlanta, right across the street from the um, Soul Vegetarian Restaurant, up the street from the Shrine of the Black Madonna, which, of course, let me go back there because the Shrine's got something going on. I need to hip you out to that. Okay, I had that. Let me see what that is. I can come to I can easily come back to that. I can easily come back to that. Let me see where I can because I want to give you the good information. Yeah. The shrine. Okay. All right. The shrine. Free jazz, beats and books concert, presenting Comas Children of Music and Song, featuring John and Rosemary Robertson. Join us. Saturday, this Saturday, if you're in Atlanta, at the Shrine of the Black Madonna, right down the street from me, okay, 946 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard. And uh, it's the Shrine is open on Saturdays and Fridays and Saturdays from 1 to 7, and on Sunday, one from 1 to 3. Of course, the number, of course, is 404-549-8676, 404-549-8676. And the book sale, new and just used books, and the performance is at 2.30 from 2.30 to 4.30. A jazz concert. A jazz and book concert right there on the grounds of the Shrine of Black Madonna. This Saturday, 2.30 to 4.30. Once again, the Shrine is open on Saturdays, on Fridays and Saturdays from 1 to 7, and on Sunday from 1 to 3. See, I'll give you good information. I'll be trying, don't I, y'all? <laughs> I'll be trying. I tell you, I'd be trying. <laughs> yeah. So, let me go back to make sure I have that particular piece down because I got to read that. Yeah, here it is. Okay. So, we hip to Wadada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar located right across the street. Listen, if you want to give them a call at 404-444-1635. 404-444-165. They have vegan food every Saturday and Sunday. About $10 a plate, something like that. Check them out. Wadada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. The Medu Bookstore has a fine selection of books, postcards, greeting cards, t-shirts, figurines, all kind of good stuff right there. Contact Mama Nia at 404-346-3263. That's 404-346-3263. Three two six three. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. All right, the Black Dog Cultural Center and Bookstore in Lithonia, that is east of here, off of I twenty, going I twenty east, and um, get off, make a left there, and on that Main Street right there, and there will be the Black Dog Cultural Center and Bookstore and Coffee Bar. 
Gotta throw that in, you know. He has the he has the Nasdaq shoes, the red, black, and green shoes, all kind of stuff he's selling there, brother, brother uh, Gazim Dejamu. Give him a call at seven seven zero three zero five six three seven three seven seven zero three zero five six three seven three. The Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore and Coffee Bar. The new Black Wall Street market in Stonecrest that is further east, the next exit east from where you get off at the Black Dot. That's exit 75 at Turner Hill Road. You exit there, you make a right, go down three lights, you make a right, and there will be on the left the new Black Wall Street market. It is a former Target store that uh, the brothers and sisters have remodeled it inside. That's just beautiful. On the theme of the uh, Tulsa, Black Wall Street, same, same kind of on a theme, you know. There's stores in there, and, it's, and they're doing well. They're doing, they're doing well. So check them out. Uh, more so the weekend, I say Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. One of those days, not too much. In fact, I think they're closed Monday and Tuesdays. Okay? All right. Us Lifting Us. The Economic Development Cooperative for Our People, Us Lifting Us. They have a Thursday night broadcast every Thursday night at 9 p.m. From 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. You can listen by uh, going on to Blog Talk Radio. That is blogtalkradio.com forward slash U-L-U, Us Lifting Us. Or you can call in at 929-477-2789. That's 929-477-2789. Us Lifting Us, the Economic Development Cooperative for Our People. In the spirit of Ujama Cooperative Economics, or as we like to say, family-centered economics. Check them out. Homeland Village. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop located in Macon, Georgia. They're not, they're not open on Mondays. They're open from Tuesday through Sunday from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Located 2910 Napier Avenue in Macon, Georgia. Give my good brother Abijah a call at 478-256-1166. That's 478 478- Two five six one one six six, and he has uh, he got furniture, he got clothing, he's got it all up in there, <laughs> brother Abija. Got to give him a call and see if he can come back on on, on a Monday again, some, shed some time. Sun got a sense here. One stop natural shop located at forty one forty Jonesboro Road in Forest Park, Georgia. That's inside the International Discount Mall two twenty five. Brothers and sisters, give my sister Shelly Amonset a call at 404-434-7963. That's 404-434-7963. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop. Sanjay-Haiti.org, Sister Gabby Aurelia. Sister Gabby is doing excellent work in the northeastern portion of the island of Haiti. Please go to the website. Check it out. You'll see the beautiful children in their school clothing. They need support, please. They're, they're in the areas of education, health care, uh, sustainable agriculture, and entrepreneurship. They're doing great work, but they need help. Sanjay, S-O-N-J-E dash Haiti, A-Y-I-T-I dot org. Sanjay dash Haiti dot org. Ackerman Institute. Ackerman Institute, brothers and sisters, school is getting ready to start. So I'm saying to you, get ready. 
at Occupant Institute. School is going to start. Well, in fact, school starts here in Georgia, August 1st, Monday, August 1st. And uh, Occupant Institute is on that same timeline. So they're starting August 1st, the African-centered online school tutorial program. The Ackerman Institute is a full-time African-centered homeschool program beginning its 24th year of operation. Courses include math, language arts, science, social studies, including American and African history, and chess. Of course, courses are taught by instructors who have been experiencing educational elementary thought college-level students. They have taught college-level students. For whom is this program for? Aha, <laughs> yes. Fourth grade to twelfth grade. If your child is in the fourth grade, all the way up to the twelfth grade, you can enroll them. And this is the 2022-23 school academic year. And the courses are taught via Zoom. Contact Brother Molly Mawalimu Baruti or his lovely wife Yah Baruti at 404-753-7237. That's 404-753-7237 by email. Yabaruti at Yahoo or Mawalimu Baruti at Yahoo or on Facebook, Akaban Institute, Mawalimu Baruti, Baba Mawalimu Baruti or Sister Yabaruti. Many ways, okay? Other things happening with the Barutis? Yes, sir. Yeah, there's all kind of good stuff happening with the Barutis. They're part of the, um, this weekend, this weekend, uh, the Liberated Minds, Expo, Homeschooling ex, ex, Education Expo, the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th this weekend. Baba Baruti will be doing a presentation uh, at the 11th Annual Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo. The title of the program is The Reconceptualized Identity of a Warrior Educator. The Reconceptualized Identity of a Warrior Educator. That's going to be Sunday, the 24th at 12.30 to 2.30. Sunday the 24th at 12.30 to 2.30 and that is this Sunday at the Liberated Minds 11th Annual Liberated Minds Expo. Also too the, the registration for the Men's Quarterly that's going to be going to be um, August 6th and it's $10 for brothers and $5 for our warriors in training. And you can use PayPal, Yabaruti at Yahoo, or Cash App, dollar sign Yabaruti. And of course, the pertinent information, warriors, Negroes, and lost souls. Warriors, Negroes, and lost souls. Your name and your email address so you can get the link. That is the men's quarterly. And of course, uh, the time of the men's quarterly is uh, 12 noon to 2 p.m. 12 noon to 2 p.m. The men's warriors, Negroes, and lost souls. The sisters is 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. And that's the sisters quarterly. Our life lessons equal life blessings. Our life lessons equal life blessings. Same day. And of course, to include uh, $10 for the uh, adults and ten dollars for the five dollars for the teens, same thing. PayPal, Yabruti at Yahoo or Cash App, dollar sign Yabruti, and include the information. Our life lessons, your name, and your email address, so you can be sent the link. 
All right. And of course, Kibuka in November, November 19th, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Remembering the middle passage, the middle passage through the eyes of our ancestors. This is a dynamic presentation and it's very deep when it's done live. Yeah. Kikbuka. That's coming up. So, brothers and sisters, we're going to uh, read the Inye Saysim of daily revolutionary thought. And uh, I'm going to read three of them today. It's always inspiring. There's a lot of other stuff. We're going we're to talk about America's divide. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the American divide ain't about nothing because I don't give a damn uh, about the American divide. I care about African uh, independence, self-determination, liberation, and sovereignty. So I'm not worried about America's divide and how to solve it and what we can do to help it. To hell with it. But we're going to talk about it anyway because it is what's happening. Okay? (laughs) So July 17th, the willingness to change strategy is a fundamental requirement of an intelligent community engaged in a protracted struggle against an enemy. Professor Manua Pym from the West Coast. Good brother, Manua Pym. Revolution has never been an option for Negroes. A non-confrontational compliance toward their oppressor is their innately fundamental political philosophy. They, they can only act against their own. Sure, they would love to talk with you about black problems under the pretense of group solidarity, but it's only to distract you from your purpose with protracted, meaningless, barren debate, thereby earning themselves invaluable brownie points from their own sworn masters. To blindly embrace a self-defeating philosophy because it is human, or brings us together in a ludicrous if we wish to an independently empowered and African nation. You do not embrace those who will take you straight to hell, no matter how much blood you share with them. Some will never listen. Everyone is not able to see, and there are casualties in every war. The conversion of Negroes is not a goal, or option for African warrior scholars. I repeat, the conversion of Negroes is not a goal or option for African warrior scholars. Some Africans have a vested interest in not being African. The idea that finding a difference among African further divides and weakens us and does not take into account the fact that these there are people within our group who must be routed out, rooted out, in order for us to make African progress. You cut the bad infectious animal from the herd. You don't keep it there just for numbers. Progress cannot occur through embracing enemies within. Progress cannot occur through embracing enemies within. Affirm, I do not embrace those who would take me straight to their hell. Affirm, I do not embrace those who would take me straight to their hell. July 18th. There are only two basic kinds of African men, the broken who fall 
and the true African man who may have stumbled in the past but will rise again. Dr. Nathan Hare. Only one of these qualities has warrior material. The others in the realm of punks. Those who do not qualify, who are broken and have fallen and refuse to get up are marked by laziness, arrogance, self-centeredness, super individualism, Uruguism. The Uruguism is the mental side of desire to act Europeans. Materialism, sexual insanity, and weak-mindedness. They refuse to stand on righteousness and accountability. Instead, they engage in meaningless, distractive debate and exhibit a resolve unwillingness to support and defend our, our women, men, and children in our communities we live in. The, those who qualify are known for their diligence. Those who qualify are known for their diligence, humility, selfless service to others, African-centeredness, spiritual groundedness, sexual sanity, and control, acknowledgeable accountability, silence, and observance in the face of any threat and in a deliberate willingness to support and defend our women and children. There is no gray area in which a man can escape and hide. Either you are a man or you're simply a grown male. The more, the more practiced and, ex and acceptable the excuses manufactured by grown males become, the more severe and endearing our destruction becomes at the hands of others who are acting like men. Men are not grown males. The rise of lesser definitions will change, will never change that fact. Childhood is for boys. Either you are a man or you're not. And given the ma'afa, the only valid definition of manhood for us is warriorhood. The same telling dichotomy applies to our sisters. Ashe. Affirm, I have stumbled, but I steadily arise. Affirm, I have stumbled, but I steadily arise. July 19th. The black, the African, excuse me, the African nationalist tradition has always been opposed to integration, assimilation, and accommodation as a, as a solution to the problems of people of African ancestry in America. My friend and brother, honored ancestor, Dr. Conrad Worrell. For Europeans, the individual is the highest level prescribing morality. What is right and wrong is purely an individual judgment. Even though no person is even though no person is raised in a vacuum, without the thought and influence of others, we have been socialized to act as if it is so. The individual is seen as a final arbitrator of his or her moral stance. For Europeans, definitions of good or bad are irrelevant to the means by which individuals or groups gain advantage over others. The success or failure of the behavior dictates whether it is defined as moral or not, not the behavior itself. Therefore, because there is no question that Europeans swear by their claims of superiority and systematically act on those, act on them than to gain and maintain an unethical and immoral advantage. It would be asinine for us to attempt to befriend them based on what they will never give up without being forcefully taken from them. 
to do otherwise would change them into something that they are not moral beings and the only people who think they have a problem with that they are those of us confused about who we are and what they are affirm I completely reject any strategy or tactic that would lead us to appeal to the morality of Urugu I completely reject any strategy or tactic that would lead us to appeal to the morality of Urugu brothers and sisters the Inye Sesim of daily revolutionary thought I say Shay. So we have this cultural divide in America. And America's always had division. America creates division, and one thing that's that Europeans are very adept at, divide and conquer. They're always about divides. They're always pitting one group against another to make sure there's an advantage that they have that they can take advantage of, be it monetarily, uh, be it land, be it whatever. You know, they're very divisive people. They're not for unity. They're not for togetherness. You know, that's not them. It's not who they are. <laughs> Last week we talked about that, remember? The brother in the documentary, who we are? No, it's not who we are, it's who they are. Because who we are is something different. Who we are is something different than who they are. And I think we all should understand that and know that. You know, the European, he's, he is something else. And it ain't us. That's for damn sure. So we're going to talk together about this, this divide. And, um, you know, I, once again, I don't propose that we, I, I, what I propose is that we understand it and that we know it. Because our operation should, regardless of what they're talking about or how we're starting to go, even if it's starting to lose, look like the divide is not there and we're coming together and sh- pull like that, our whole situation should be about independence. Our whole situation should be about self-determination. It should be about liberation. It should be about sovereignty for African people. And the only place that can happen is on the continent of Africa. And I know it doesn't look good. I know it doesn't. I admit to that fact. But I also know that I believe in the spirit of African people. I believe in the spirit of our ancestors. See, Negroes and lost souls, they believe that once we were taken and we were, we were completely severed of all connections, the European did what he did and we were all, that's it. Now we're Negroes. And then later we were black. Then we became African-American or Afro. Yeah, you know what? I don't even want to say the word African tied to them. We were Afro-Americans. 
because what's more important for us is to be African. So you can be American African, Caribbean African, South American African, European African, African African. <laughs> We're African. And a lot of us don't want to be African. These crackers have done such a great job of divide and conquer and stealing into our mind how bad it is to be African. This comes out of Occidental Descent. And here's a, it was a New York Times article that said, spurred by Supreme Court, a nation divides along a red and blue axis. Some would say that this divide is not racial. I would beg to differ. It's always about racial when Caucasians are uh, in the situation. It is always. But of course, there's always too. Excuse me. Of course, there is the divide along these cultural lines and these cultural differences of of uh, abortion, education, you know, gun control, all this other stuff, you know. But it's still about race because that is something that is some serious to them. So I'm gonna play this piece right here from uh, MSNBC, and then um, Chris Hayes. Then another piece I'm going to play with Elia Mastal. And of course, Elia Mastal is interesting. You know, Elia Mastal is a good liberal brother who believes, you know, that, you know, we can appeal to Caucasians' moral nature, you know. <laughs> but check this out. see here once again technical difficulties when you having the you know you have to deal with um, you have to deal with these things um, they don't operate as they should sometimes and I thought that it would it looks like it's not Let me try something different then. Let me try something different. Okay. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We'll take a break. I'll get this set up. And then we'll be right back. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Shucks. That's always something. Okay.
back. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. We have, I think we got it together now. This is Chris Haynes on what we're going to talk about today, this divide of this country. We are living through a reactionary moment, and we have an increasingly militant reactionary movement mobilizing within American conservatism. It was not clear already in the wake of the conservative Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. It was made even clearer by Justice Clarence Thomas when he basically announced in a concurrence to that decision a desire to roll back the entire rights revolution of the post-1960s order. The goal is to carry out that rollback in every space, rollback in every space they can find. Lately, they've been very focused on children education. Now, you remember, it started uh, about a year ago with what was, at least initially and at least for broad consumption, like the Virginia gubernatorial race, a putatively centrist kind of milquetoast critique of the ideological excesses of the radical left of something called critical race theory that was teaching kids to hate America and dividing little children by race. It didn't take that long for the mass to drop and for Republicans to push for full right-wing indoctrination of children as a solution. Now we are seeing what it looks like when that indoctrination is made into policy. So in Florida, you've got the so-called Don't Say Gay bill, which went into effect today. The ostensible argument for it was protecting children, like those little kids you see there, from hearing things deemed inappropriate. And really, who could object to that? But people warned that it is, in fact, a radical and poorly drafted bill that would lead to some really nasty workplace bigotry. Rolling Stone chronicled the chaotic reality with staff in one district asking if they could, quote, wear rainbow articles of clothing or have safe space stickers on classroom doors, even display photos of a same-sex partner. Quote, the answers to all those questions has been an emphatic no, according to representatives from the local teachers union. In Leon County, which is in the panhandle of Florida, the school board there, quote, unanimously approved a guide that promises to alert parents if a student who is open about their gender identity is in a gym class or an overnight trip. It allows the parents to seek accommodation if they disagree with that student's presence. As critics note, just about everyone is open about their gender identity, so it makes no sense But really what this is about is outing trans kids to the entire school community so they can be ostracized and scorned in a systematic fashion. Meanwhile, in Texas, lawmakers passed a bill to, in part, prevent students from feeling, quote, discomfort in the classroom. Who would want that? So as a new curriculum is being developed... Uh, the Texas Tribune reports that one committee of educators recommended, quote, that slavery should be taught as involuntary relocation during second grade social studies instruction. Now, that language was spotted by an education board member. The proposal was sent back for revision, according to the Tribune. This is what it looks like. This is the end goal. A, a weird new ultra-conservative form of political correctness where you can't wear a rainbow T-shirt and the evil of slavery is chillingly transformed to involuntary relocation because they're little kids, and it caused them discomfort to hear about what slavery really was. And then even in places where the right doesn't have power over policy, like California and Nevada, we have now have what amounts to the fascist street gang of the movement, the Proud Boys, physically intimidating people. In Nevada, the group protested at a drag story time outside a library. Attendees, including children, were forced to run inside when a man in Proud Boys garb carrying a gun approached the event. In California, a group of men identified as Proud Boys tried to disrupt a drag show at a bar, spewing homophobic slurs. In response, some attendees pepper sprayed them. The Proud Boys are, of course, at the center of January 6th, part of this embrace of fascist political violence. Violence has become a frighteningly central part of a lot 
of right-wing discussion. I'll talk with the journalists who spent some time talking to those folks ahead. Yeah. As you can see, this divide that um, America is along the cultural lines of conservative and liberal. And even in the article, it reads as such. I know I want to get to um, this article. So I'm going to tell you what, we're going to have a break. And then, because it's almost at the top of the hour. So we'll, do, we'll deal with the break and we'll come back. And then we'll deal with the uh, article. Yeah. I think that might be the better way to do this. You know? Yeah, the better way to do this. Because I tell you, family. <laughs> These, these folks, these Caucasians are something else. Eh? They, <laughs> yeah, they something else. That looks good. That looks like that. Looks like this will work for me. All right, brothers and sisters, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on TimeForTheAwakening.com and BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. We'll be right back. You stay with us. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshie on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com.
You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Once again, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and Black Talk Radio Network.com. And of course, I am your host, Baba Oshi. It is a pleasure to always be with you, family. You know it. What did I just do? Did I just do something foolish? I believe I just did. Ah, <laughs> oh, shucks. Hey, you know, it never ceases to amaze me how, how I try to, my best to deal with this stuff. And I just mess it up. I just mess it up. Okay. But then again, I regroup. That's right. That's what I do. I regroup. All right. Let's get back to this conversation, brothers and sisters. I know we have um, some people on the line. Just hold, and we're going to get to that. Let me get off into this. And then um, not only we talk about this, this divide that... uh, is is happening here in America because you know you've quite sure some of you've heard about and the possibility of a civil war taking place and that America's truly divided along a number of lines, you know, not just racial. Of course, you know that it is, and also too conservative and uh, liberal, the red and blue of the, of the political parties, you know. But let's go off, get off into this. Arthur says, I'm a realist about this. The union is dissolving again. It is not. It is not happening the way so many of us want it. The New York Times says, pressed by a Supreme Court decision disseminating rights that liberals hold dear, diminishing rights that liberals hold dear and expanding those cherished by conservatives, the United States appears to be drifting apart into separate nations with diametrically opposed social, environmental, and health policies. Call these the disunited states. That's what it is. The disunited states, the most immediate breaking point is on abortion, as about half the country will soon limit or ban the procedure, while the other half expands or reinforces access to reproductive health. But the ideological fault lines extend far beyond that one topic to climate change, gun control, LBGTQ, and voting rights. On each of these issues, the country's northeast and west coast are moving in opposite directions from its midsection and southeast, with a few exceptions, like the islands of liberalism in Illinois and Colorado, and New Hampshire's street of conservatism. Even where public opinion is more mixed, like in Ohio, Wisconsin, Georgia, North Carolina, and Texas, the Republican grip on state legislatures has ensured that policies in those states conform with those of the reddest states in the Union rather than striking middle ground. The tearing at the seams has been accelerated by the six-vote conservative majority in the Supreme Court, which has embraced a muscular state's rights federalism In the past 10 days, the court has erased the constitutional rights to abortion 
narrow the federal government's ability to regulate climate change pollution and blocked liberal states and cities from barring most of their citizens from carrying concealed weapons outside of their homes. They produced this balkanized house divided and we're only beginning to see how bad that will be, said David Blight, a Yale historian who specializes in the era of American history that led to the Civil War. The country is becoming much less radically polarized. American Africans, Asians, Latina X voters are drifting away from Democrats. These groups are starting to divide and sort more like the white or the Caucasian voters. Latino X voters are trending heavily towards the Republican Party. If the country breaks apart, it's not going to split along racial lines. I disagree. We are increasingly polarized along the lines of ideology, values, and education. The biggest rift by far is the cultural divide between Caucasians. All the passion and energy in American politics is centered around two groups of Caucasians who loathe each other. Biopacs are, are supporting actors in the drama in what is essentially a fight between Caucasians. Similarly, when the split finally comes, it is not going to cleave North and South along the lines of the Confederacy. There are echoes of the North versus South divide, but that is because Caucasian evangelicals dominate the South. Missouri. Missouri was the first state to ban abortion. Kentucky was another one of those first states to ban abortion. Caucasians working uh, class evangelicals have more power in Missouri, Kentucky, and Oklahoma than anywhere else. The Confederacy was unable to fully rally and integrate the border states because slavery, and that was because they were producing tobacco, the tobacco uh, you know, was not that big of a crop, wasn't as essential to their economies. The same cultural divide that separates urbanites and college towns from rural areas, small towns, small metros, and exurbs runs through all regions of the country. It is just that some states are more dominated by large metros. It really comes down to the libertards, the liberals, because of all American politics is becoming a referendum on these people. The Proud Boys, for example, is just a group of men who dislikes liberals. The Make America Great group, the Megas, doesn't have any real ideology except for a burning desire to own the the liberals. We have been, we have seen how flexible it is. The Trump presidency was a middle finger to the liberals. That's it. We shouldn't be surprised. When the union was dissolved in 1860, it was due to the abolitionists who were the liberals of their time. See, understand, brothers and sisters, as I read this, and I may put some emphasis, because the Civil War was fought not because we were enslaved, not because we were in captivity, was because we provided an economic engine free labor economy against the emerging industrialization of the North. We have to understand that. And unfortunately, many of us don't. And in fact, 
if it truly was fought because we were in captivity. And then once we got out, what happened? What did they do? Were we embraced? Were we given a, a, a chance to succeed? No. The same cultural divide that separates urbanites from college students, rural areas, and small metros. Oh, I read that. We have seen how. We should be surprised when the union was dissolved in 1860 it was due to the abolitionists who were liberals of their time. A critical mass of Southerners came to believe after the John Brown raid on Harper's Ferry that they couldn't trust these liberals and to hew the Constitution. They couldn't live in the same union with people who wanted to spark a race war to kill them. The moral fanaticism, the moral fanaticism of the abolitionists is what broke the union. Slavery was just the occasion of a war. It was the issue on which the cultural divide was centered. Whether or not, were, were it not for slavery, the morbid imagination of these people would have been fixated on some other issue. They swiftly moved from abolition to other issues like civil rights and women's suffrage. Abortion acts the same way in our own times. America isn't drifting apart over abortion. It is due to these deeper cultural differences. Abortion is merely the incident or occasion of disunion. It is part of a whole cluster of issues which overlap and divide traditionalists from modernists. The same people who were pro-life are also, are also opposed to gay marriage and, and trans and want to restrict immigration. If the Supreme Court had ended affirmative action or gay marriage instead of abortion this term, it would have pleased and disappointed some people. There are now dozens of fronts in the cultural war. The liberals are now saying in unison that the Supreme Court is a rogue court and illegitimate. Many of the most honest liberals, like Ilya Mastal, and we'll hear from Ilya Mastal uh, after this presentation. Most of the honest liberal, liberals, like Ilya Mastal, the justice correspondent for the nation, denounced the Constitution as a pact between white supremacists. This is how abolitionists and Republicans responded to the Dred Scott decision. They vowed to disregard the authority of the Supreme Court because in the words of William Seward, Lincoln's Secretary of State, there was a higher law than the Constitution. We are now about to, about a far away from secession crisis as the Dred Scott decision was to the war between states. James Buchanan was inaugurated as president a few days before the Dred Scott decision. The union was dissolved over the outcome of the 1860 election. John Brown's raid on Harper Ferry occurred two and a half years after the Dred Scott decision. The raid, however, the road, however, is coming into a sharper focus in quick succession. The country spirals into recession as we approach the 22 midterms. Liz Cheney is destroyed in her primary after all the revelations of the January 6th committee. Ukraine's spectacular collapse in the fall and winter undermines Joe, President's, Joe Biden's presidency. Twitter fails. To, Twitter falls to white supremacy. Democrats lose control of Congress in the midterm. Trump announces his 2024 revenge tour. Democrats demand that 
Merrick Garland indict Trump over the January 6th. The stock and all at the Supreme Court continues with decision after decision going against the liberals with each body blow dealing up, dialing up the hysteria about the death of democracy at the hands of authoritarianism. Joe Biden, who is struggling with advancing senility, announces he isn't running for presidency after his poll numbers uh, continue to decline. Finally, Trump likely runs and defeats Kamala Harris. <laughs> Excuse me. Trump runs and defeats Kamala Harris. Hell no. Nah. That's, that's, that's a part of this little scenario of future events that are happening that I just read. I definitely don't agree with. <laughs> Progressives are sent into an epic meltdown after losing to Russia, losing Congress, losing the White House to Trump, and multiple generations defining defeats at the Supreme Court. They blame a generocracy that now rules the Democratic Party who are thrown out and replaced with more Ocasio-Cortezes. Are they capable of a digesting trauma on this scale, regrouping and launching a comeback, or do they explode into another temper tantrum bigger than the George Floyd riots. Hmm. We will see, won't we? We will see. Yeah. So, we'll play this one and then um, have some discussion. For those who want to get involved, of course, you know, you just dial 215-490-9832. Let's deal with this particular piece here. And then we'll uh, talk more after the piece. We've just concluded the most consequential Supreme Court term, certainly since Bush v. Gore 22 years ago, arguably since ever. The 6-3 conservative majority court handed on huge decisions just within the last week of its term, limiting the authority of the Environmental Protection Agency to regulate carbon emissions, making it harder for states to keep guns off the streets by massively expanding the reach of the Second Amendment and overturning 50 years of precedent by ending the federal constitutional right for a woman to control her own reproductive health. The court also agreed to hear a case that could give state legislatures new powers over federal elections, potentially setting up exactly the kind of power grab that Trump and his cronies were trying to pull off in 2020. This group of right-wing justices, five of them elevated to the Supreme Court by a president who came to office by losing the popular vote, are now in a position to fundamentally change the country. As Ellie Mistal, the justice correspondent for The Nation magazine, put it yesterday, quote, the Supreme Court as an institution defines its own power. It's now run by people who think the federal government was a mistake. And yet people in the federal government are not willing to check this institution. What do you think is going to happen? And Ellie Mistal, author of the best-selling book, Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution, joins me now. Well, Ellie, um, you take no pleasure in being right about what this court would be, but this was... Basically, this term was the nightmare scenario, the nightmare that all this felt like it was possibly leading to, the nightmare that felt like a little bit put off because they were being a little careful that first term, and there were these decisions that people thought, oh, well, maybe this was it. This was just about as bad as it could possibly be, right? 
Yeah, I have this as the worst Supreme Court term since 1857. That's the court that unleashed the Dred Scott decision, which basically unleashed the Civil War. But I don't think we have to go back to, to 165 years ago. I think we want to go back to 30 years ago to really understand what's happened. 30 years ago, 1992, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, Roe v. Wade is upheld, albeit with new restrictions, in a 5-4 yep. to four vote. Those five votes in the majority were justices all appointed by Republican presidents. In fact, the 1992 court was appointed by eight, had justices, eight of whom were appointed by Republican presidents. And yet they upheld Roe. Why? It's not like they liked abortion. It's not like they liked states' rights. They had a Confederate view of states' rights. The difference is that conservatives 30 years ago believed in practicality. They said repeatedly in Casey that the practical realities of abortion, of what the government can do and can't do, were such that they had to uphold the law just because of the facts on the ground. To defeat Roe, the modern conservatives, what the Republicans realized is that they had to start appointing judges who did not care yes. about the practicalities, who did not care about facts, who did not care about reality itself. And that is how they found justices who were now willing to overturn Roe. And that decision, finding justices who are willing to do that, that's what explains everything else. And once you have a justice that's not willing to look at the practical realities of abortion, that's how you also have a judge who isn't willing to look at the practical realities of climate change, who isn't willing to look at the practical reality of gun violence. What we have, it's like a bad science fiction novel, Chris. It's like uh, when you know they, they release an invasive predator to defeat some other predator. We're at the release the bat stage. Right. And the problem with those science fiction novels is that once the thing finishes eating whatever you sent it to eat, it keeps feeding. And that's all these conservatives are going to do. They're going to keep feeding on the rights and dignity of others until somebody, somebody in the government, somebody in the other branches of government stops them. Well, let, let's talk about that, and that's an apt metaphor. I think John Rob Roberts himself is probably going to be on the table pretty soon uh, for their for their delectation. I mean, the, you know, you, you you mentioned Dred Scott. We we quoted from Lincoln's first inaugural, which is a fascinating uh, text because Dred Scott, of course, which basically says that black people have no rights, uh, that you can escape slavery and be whisked back. But not only that, but that that, that just the Constitution was meant for white people essentially. Um, that is a radicalizing moment. It, it helps to precipitate the Civil War. It helps to precipitate the formation of the Republican Party. And one of the first things that Lincoln has to do is bring the reactionary court to heel. He expands the court. The other big example of this, of course, is the Lochner-era court, which in the New Deal is striking down legislation over and over again. FDR famously tries to expand the court. There's a huge fight over it. He loses that fight. But there's some evidence to suggest the court was intimidated by it and basically reverses their jurisprudence. What's the lesson there about what checks a court that is sort of dead set on this kind of like reactionary marauding? The court has no money, it has no power to tax, and it has no army. The person who can stop the court is the executive of the United States, the president of the United States. But right now, and I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm angry at Biden right now, I am sad. I am sad that right now, because you know who remembers 30 years ago? Joe Biden. Joe Biden remembers right. the, the hokey past of bipartisanship where he could reach yep. out to conservatives who were concerned about practical governance. Those people don't yep. exist now, but Joe Biden never got the memo. And so I'm sad that in this crucial moment, we have a president who is unwilling 
who is so ossified in his past thinking that he won't stand with his people at this critical yeah. moment to take power back, not for himself, because he doesn't matter, but to take power back for the American people yes, from, for these, from, from these unelected, unaccountable judges. And he's right. <laughs> so it ain't going to happen. You got to deal with it. This is what the Supreme Court is going to do. And this is what's going to be happening in this country for quite a few years. And so the question becomes for us, do we continue to side with one of these groups or another or, or melt with them? Or do we begin to make our move for independence, for self-determination, liberation, and sovereignty? Do we deal with those brothers and sisters who have been doing this all along and strengthen them, fortify them, support them in making this our reality? That's a deep question, isn't it? And yes, it is. 215-554-215. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Baba Ocean. Good afternoon, brother ABT, ABCT. How do you, how do you feel, brother? Oh well, I'm, I'm feeling good, man. I, I feel great. Um, as as it relates to this situation, you know, I could give less than a rat's ass about it. You know about this, this new this new so called civil war, uh, this new great divide that's happening in America. It was going to happen anyway because America is always about dividing it's always about individualism you know and so yeah yeah and ahead. no country no country has stood long anyway and anywhere in history right. first of all right second of all this is as you know by design okay mm -hmm. so when when you were talking about um a few issues i'm gonna start with something a little bit older now they don't care about women and they never did right because as you know, they right. only decided to get the woman out of the household so they could tax the other half of America. Mm -hmm. Taxing was most important for them to be able to control the sheeple. Okay. Right. And, and how do you control or take over a country? The first thing you do is you give them sanctions like they just did us. You take their means of providing for themselves with food. You make sure they don't have no guns. So you go after these things, and then how can you fight a war if you're hungry? Right, and you have no guns. That's right. Mm -hmm. And these, this new Supreme Court Justice and Harris, they're all in unison because it was found out about this abortion, about what they were doing when they were vivisecting babies that survived abortions. Mm -hmm. And it was just found in Minnesota that they found babies on tables that survived abortions. And there are people who survived abortions and are alive. But they decide to cut them apart while they're alive and take their organs and take their stuff so they could use it. So Kamala Harris knew about this. Before she got her post, she was the deciding factor on sending the people to jail for that. She didn't. She let the people go and arrested the whistleblower. The new Supreme Court justice did the same thing. She let every person that did egregious, I'm talking about heinous crimes against children, went to court, and she let them out. So this Katanji, you mean the, uh, Katanji Brown? 
That's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. She if anybody looks her record up, you'll see she let all of the pedos out. Matter of fact, Hillary Clinton did the same thing. She defended all of those people who had child crimes and was marketing children. Mm-hmm. So they're just playing a little, a little smoke and dagger game that they always do on the sheeple who don't understand because they're hitting them from all angles. Now, I'm going to go back to this hanging chad. See, this is payback. But the Democrats, they didn't like that hanging Chad stuff with, with that go, with that gore thing. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, you know what, we'll burn the whole motherfucker down. We mm-hmm. don't care, and that's how they both play. They don't care who gets hurt, scorched earth, my way or no way. Mm-hmm. Now, on this abortion, I want to make myself clear so everyone knows how I feel. Now, when I said that, listen, certain circumstances – I agree with someone getting it. I mean, because I know people who were told that their children would have Dow syndrome mm-hmm. and didn't keep the baby. Yeah. But they kept the baby and the baby was fine. Mm-hmm. And I know people and specifically a female that was renting from me. She decided to keep the baby inside of her when they told her that it was bad and mm-hmm. something would go wrong. And she died with the baby inside of her because she wouldn't get the abortion. So in those circumstances, it's up to the person. Now, me, myself, I wouldn't do it. As I told you, it was done without my consent. Mm -hmm. And I think that is horrible for anyone to be able to make a decision without discussing the other person. I agree. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't care, as you said, I don't care a rat's ass about most of this stuff. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the last few years I've been out in the street making sure young children and elderly senior citizens got their medications and their food because they were scared to come out of the house. I didn't see many people doing that. There was no churches. I went to churches. Doors wasn't open. You couldn't pray to God. So a fellow that I knew brought his table outside, and he was offering free prayers. So I would go to him and say, now, I'm going to pray for you. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, yeah, I'm offering you a prayer. I said, because somebody needs to pray for you. You're praying for everyone. And then we'll pray for everybody together. Now, in the meantime, I'm out here in the streets when these people are running around with these guns and doing this stuff. I come out my house. I don't always have my, when I first come up to a situation, I don't have my firearm to let them know, listen, this is what it is. This is how it's not going to go and such, 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 such. And they look at you and they see who you are. So they know how to react to you. Mm-hmm. Now, the next time they would see me, they would assume and know because word would get out who I am. And I'm nobody. I'm not saying I am anybody. I'm a, mm-hmm. I believe in all my, but I stand up for shit. You're not doing anything around me. You're not shooting nobody in front of me and they're going to walk past me and laugh and be like, I'm next. That's not happening. So I became a part of my community. So meaning my neighbor's house doesn't look too well. But I'm building mine up. Okay. So I'm building it up. I build theirs up. Mm-hmm. And then when I come, when I came out, now the neighbors started coming out. Right. And then when the people see that there is unison, then they stop. And the last time it happened, a group of people came and broke out the windows of my neighbor and was yanking her and her daughters out the window. Well, I came out this time. I had my firearm, but it was you know covered. I called the police because it was going to get bad. So. The police came, and they came at me. They said, I noticed that bulge. 
what do you got there? I said, I got a permit to carry. I got this and that. I'm certified. Da, 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 da. You can check your record or whatever. Standing right there, they're talking mad to me. Mm-hmm. You're ready to get me. The group is standing up there agitated. And I said, why did you stop me? When I called you, he said, because they said you pulled your weapon out. I said, well, tell them, ask them to tell me what my weapon looks like. Of course, they couldn't. So I showed the community that sometimes you need to fix these things yourself by coming out of the house and making sure I stopped them people from coming and drove them away enough, and I called the cops. Now, if I had to, I would have saved a life because it's what we do. But in the meantime, you have to not be afraid. You have to right. get right. to these young people's lives. You have to be able to do something from the ground up to build those around you. Because if you don't do that, you're all alone anyway. Mm-hmm. So God bless you, brother. You too, Thanks dear brother. You too, you too, for the work that you do and for how courageous you are. Believe me, um, you, you're doing the work that many of us don't want to do because of how America is. America is not giving. It is not philanthropic. It is not all of those things that it says it is. You know, but that's what you're doing. You're giving back. You're helping. You're trying to make sure you improve your community where you live. You live there. And you don't want to see the, the, the where you live so run down, dilapidated, crime infested, you know, drug infested. You don't want to see that. And so you work with your neighbors. You work with your community to make that environment more wholesome, more hospitable, more welcoming, you know. So you've done great work, brother. I know you'll continue to do great work. So I applaud you, and I want you to be safe, man. <laughs> you know, I know you got your I'm thing safe. out, but hey, you know. I just want to tell you one more thing now. I've already been shot at numerous times. I've been jumped. I've been stabbed at. I've had so many issues. 17 of my friends have been shot and killed. My brother's been shot four different times. My cousins all got bullets next to their hearts. When I was shot at, the bullets missed me. So when these things happen, I had to dig inside myself and say, there's a reason why I'm still here. There's a reason why my eyes are open. I agree. I'm not. Mm -hmm. And God bless you. You too, brother. All right. Peace to you, my brother. Brother ABT. ABCT. Peace to you. Thank you. Yeah. To me, that's what it's about, though, family. To give back. You know. And and a lot of times, a lot of us don't do that. We're, we're very selfish, very egocentric, we're very, you know, and we don't. But once again, that's what society perpetuates, individualism, materialism, greed, and violence. That's what the society perpetuates, and unfortunately, we act in that manner as well to our detriment to our detriment so even though the society is divided along those particular lines I just mentioned of conservative and liberal of red state and blue state BS and all that kind of stuff but it's also racist as well there's many and multiple divisions economics side of town states all kinds of stuff and there's nobody there's no statesmanship there's nobody willing to to bring sanity into this insane place. And it's not going to happen. That's why I'm saying the alternative for us 
Like, do what you do. Do but my, 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 my brother ABCT, he's doing what he's doing in this community, and he needs to be supported. And he needs definitely applauded for it and supported, you know. But the reality is, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the next few years, how it, how it materialized, what happens. And I'm also looking forward to what we are going to do. What are we going to do? Are we going to just allow it to happen? Now, I'm not saying or suggesting that we try to influence these Caucasians to do right. Damn that. I'm suggesting that we need to do right. We need to think about what's happening with us and our situation in the world. Are we going to continue to be pawns or are we going to be players? And if we're going to be players, then we're going to have to. We're going to have to step up and believe in ourselves and believe in each other. Close ranks, pull our resources and do for ourselves. We're going to have to. And and if we, of course, if we don't, it can be very detrimental. Brothers and sisters, join me on this conversation at 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. Yeah. This American divide. And, and it's been coming to that. And and what was said in those two pieces, those two pieces I played with um from MSNBC. Was that at that time, they 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 did the conservatives and the Republicans, the conservative Republicans or the liberal Democrats or whatever you want to call them, they did understand how they had to make that work and can't be so deeply antagonistic from one side to the other. But that's been gone. That's been gone now for years, quite a quite a few decades. It started eroding under uh, Clinton, and the hatred they showed for Clinton, and damn. And then Bush got in, and boy. But once Barack got in, it's, it was over. It was over. I bet the many of the conservatives, say, those those Democrats did that. <laughs> We're going to get them. We're going to get them for this. We're not going to support anything, anything they do. Even though they wanted to make Barack, and they, and they stated it. They openly stated, we're going to work hard against you. We're going to make you a one-term president. Well, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. And they couldn't do it. Because they really had no viable candidate. You know. They did. And they still don't. Especially if they're talking about. And to me, I, correct me if I'm wrong. There should be no way in hell that Donald Trump can run for presidency run for the presidency in 2024 with all these things looming over his head. But not only that, his behavior, his behavior prior to being president, his behavior while being president and the behavior afterwards. Come on, y'all. This is crazy. This is insane. That this man can even fix his damn mouth. Talk about, I'm going to run for presidency. And if I become president, I'm going to pardon many of the people who are involved in the January 6th uh, 
insurrection. Please. This is crazy, man. This is insane. So, I'm going to tell you. Uh, I, I look forward to the next few years how it begins to play out and I will continue to beat this drum of African independence African liberation African self-determination and sovereignty I'll continue to beat that drum because it's the drum that needs to be beaten and, and, it's, and it's the war cry that needs to be answered when people talk about well what are the solutions damn it the only solution is independence, self-determination, liberation, and sovereignty. That is the solution. The model of this program is pan-Africanism or we will perish. Unify or we will die. We talk about on this program many times we talk about uh that if we don't do these things, what will happen? And yet, I, I understand as I read the daily revolutionary thoughts, the Inye Seisil, and the, and the profound narratives that Baba Rudy writes to the quotes attributed to various people, to various brothers and sisters, and as I read them and listening and understanding, you know, it is going to get much worse. We have a caller, 447. 447, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning, Baba Ochi. How are you? Hey, my brother. How you doing, Brother Paul? How's it going? Well, you know, today they say um, it's the, one of the hottest days of the year. Yeah, man. In England here. Wow. Um, there's for the first time in their in in the, in in their record history, they have uh, said that they've recorded they've given out heat warnings. Yeah, you know, so it's pretty hot today. Yeah, I'm like, man, yeah. <laughs> shoot, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, and, well, and, and and the problem with that is that uh, in because you're even north of Spain, you know. And and Portugal yeah. and France, you're even north of them, and, and and a lot of buildings don't have air conditioning, a lot of homes don't have air conditioning because it doesn't get Ab as hot as it, it is right now. Absolutely, absolutely, you know? that's absolutely correct. And 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 so a lot of elderly or people with some preconditions, pre medical conditions, will suffer and may die. Well, you know. Uh, I think they count in for that. I mean, we've just seen two years of them kill off old people, so I don't think yeah. <laughs> they're too yeah. really worried about that, to right. be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to be so cynical, but, uh, you know, I have to speak the truth. You know, yeah. these, no, they're, you're they're right, more, and you're right. You know? You know? Yeah. Uh, it, 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 they'll do anything not to pay them out, you know? All their hard work they're putting over the years. Mm. push them into hospitals, mm -hmm. jab them, jab them and don't see them again. You know? Right. So yeah. the reality of it is I don't really mm -hmm. think they really respect whole people. 
Yeah. To be honest with you. And, and that's, but you know, you know, sorry. No, no, go um, ahead, go ahead. You know, um, I, I I got sent a clip, yeah, and it, it was talking about a, a civil war coming in, in America, and uh, you know, uh, something I've been hearing for a while. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking about it, and I just want to get some views from yourself. You know, <clears throat> America, the establishment of America along its history has seen uh, an epic civil war which shaped the course of the, uh, America's path. And so that, to me, there's always going to be that underlining um, statement that, you know, of a civil war because mm-hmm. it's, it's part and parcel of, of, of the uh, establishment of America. Um, but well, one, one of the interesting things, and maybe you can um, shed some light on it, is why uh, or what, why they have the, the fascist symbol on in Congress on both. They have the flag, the American flag in between, and they have fascist symbols uh, on both sides. Now, what I understand, what I understand, what fascist, the, they, those symbols mean. I understand the history of them. They came out of Rome, and it's what. Uh, the Roman, it was a Roman ideology, mm-hmm. and uh, they used that ideology to push themselves forward. And for anybody who studied the Romans, uh, uh, they they uh, spent a lot of time warring with other nations, taking over other nations, right? Uh, take 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 taking their uh, which is most valued to them, and and establishing it in Rome. They um. They create. They called everybody else barbarians, and they were the only civilized <laughs> one, which, ju- which, yeah. which, which was let them to justify uh, mm-hmm. how they went into people's places and took over it. Yeah. So it's always, you know, I mean, I know that you the you, Romans... a lot of the um, the concepts in America is based on Roman law, like uh, uh, the 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 um, Constitution, like the um, Senate, mm-hmm. and all those names come out of Rome. Right. Roman um, Greece, but, but, the Greco-Roman, but, but, you yeah, know, the but, Greco-Roman also, traditions also, in government. Yes. Also, also, you've got Mussolini and you've got Hitler, uh, who who practice the same ideology. Mm-hmm. But then people shun that. But right today, you have the fascist symbols yes. right in the most important lawmaking house. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that America is really a fascist country? Yes. Authoritarianism, fascist. Yes. That's that's how I look at it. That's how I look at it. That's how many uh, Africans who have a consciousness look at it. Anytime you impose and and you adamantly impose stuff and then you give lip service to real justice and equality and so forth or pretend to, you know, yes, it is who they are. You know, uh, there's a documentary, uh, Paul, here in the States that his uh, brother wrote, uh, wrote, brother made a documentary called who we are, you know, you know, and, and, and it deals with the chrono- chronology of racism here in America. And he, he talks about the incidences that happen throughout this country, you know, the lynchings and just the terrible treatment and so forth. And, and talking about who we are. Well, when I did the program last week, I titled it who they are, because that's not who we are. It is not who we are, but it is who they are. They're the racists. They're the, they're the homophobes. They're they're the ones that 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 uh, 
give lip service to real justice and equality. They're the ones. That's not us. It is them. I mean, after they've done to us what they've done, they still, they still don't want to, you know, to do what's right. After after coming out of captivity, our, our enslavement, when they gave uh, the Southerners who lost land, who lost, quote, their property, us as humans, and so forth, gave them reparations. It's just like the French. The French told Haiti, said, listen, me, along with the British, along with America, we'll give you son of a bitches a beat down if you don't repay us for what you have destroyed and taken from us. And so Haiti, after the 1884 victory against France and the fascists, and of course then Spain came along and took the others, the uh, eastern side of the island, which is now called Dominican Republic, but more importantly, more deeply, made Haiti pay reparations. Haiti didn't finish paying that until just a few decades ago. From 1804. So no, man, yes, that's, this is who they are. That's why I'm so adamant against them. And, and, and for those of us who believe that we can somehow appeal to them morally, righteously, justly, correct? No, you can't. They're amoral. See, absolutely. absolutely. And, uh, and that, that kind of uh, um, encourages my next question. I mean, the reality of it is that if you accept that the underlying um, the ideology the underlying is fascism, then you, you, in reality, they're going to do what they do. They're right. going to do what fascists do. Isn't right. that right? That's right. So why should any one of us who have got a good sense expect them to do? I mean, sometimes I wonder, you know, mm. if, 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 if you know that uh, you're up against a lion, okay, if you're if, a lion in cage, you're not going to go up there and feed it. You're going to mm. know how to deal with it. You're going to have to, you know, deal with it a certain way. Mm-hmm. So why do we expect all the, these fascists to behave in any other way than what they behave in? It's natural to them. That's mm-hmm. their ideology. That's right. That's That's right. right. They've, got the symbol, they've got the symbols right up in the highest. And I, I saw um, something on the Internet where a great deal of the police, even mm-hmm. the police officers, have it on their badges. Yeah. So they're telling you what in, in plain sight what they are. So right. Why should anybody expect them to do any anything other than what they're they're, they're doing? And one more thing, yeah, you know, we we've been um, indoctrinated to use this term racism, right? And we use it like second nature. But I, I'm suggesting as a, strategically we should change, we should stop using that term racism because anybody can say you're racist. You know what I mean? You call a, a white man a name, he says you're racist, mm-hmm. right? But the reality of it is, is that. Um, there's something happening to us as people of African descent on the planet, which is not happening to no one else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's aqua, that's uh, Af- Afrophobia, right? Now, unless you're of African descent, it can't happen to you. Like, just like, unless you're a homosexual, mm-hmm. right? No one can cruelty of being homo- homophobic. You understand? See this, this, this word uh, racism, we've got to look at the history of it mm-hmm. and where it's come out of and, and who gave it to us. Because there are a group of people, and I won't go into it, people just need to do their research, who actually gave us that term, racism, mm-hmm. yeah? And, you know, I don't think we fully understand that. It's not really serving our purpose. Well, we need something. Well, 
we need a term which is more specific yeah. to what uh, actually because it's the same pattern it's the same well, type of behavior which is happening to people of African descent yeah. anywhere on the planet well let me just say before I mention and, and, and try to deal with the issue or the origins of racism and the word race but deal with fascism and what is fascism powerful and continuing nationalism disdain for human rights identification of enemies scapegoats a unifying cause supremacy of the military rampant sexism control mass media obsession with national security religion and government and intertwined with corporate power is protected labor power is suppressed disdain for intellectuals and the arts obsession with crime and punishment rampant cronyism and corruption fraudulent elections now hey, yeah oh yeah well, go hey, ahead i just got a quick i got a quick question i heard you say something again about um reparations mm-hmm. i would like to know and i hop on this because it's really what needs to be discussed, but it's not discussed. What do we have in place to demand these crackers give us reparations? What do you mean? What do we have in place? What can we do to make it for them to give us reparations? What kind of demand can we move forward and move on to make them let, give us let me, reparations? Let me say, let me say this, because... The, the reparations uh, debate and discussion as it looks as you either look at the National Coalition for Blacks for Reparations in America in COBRA, which has been in the forefront of the reparations issue for a long time, or even ADOS in, in what they talk about in terms of reparations. I, I'm not dealing or feeling either of them because to me, the word reparations, repar- reparations means repair. We need to be repaired internally and of course externally we need to be repaired you know and so that's to say i'm for i'm in favor of not somebody getting a check whereby they can go out and spend some money and stimulate the economy i'm in favor of pulling those getting the money to build institutions to educate ourselves and our people from from this point around the globe and to develop institutions that will help us become independent and and sovereign that's to me is what's that's how, that's how I look at reparations i understand believe me i do that there have been some families that have been impoverished for generations just like just like a lot of caucasians who have uh, uh, generational wealth who are billionaires millionaires well, there are some families who have been in abject poverty for decades and generations. And I understand their situation, but I don't say that they shouldn't get any money to get themselves out and buy a nice house and, 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 and some nice furnishings and so forth, maybe even a car, you know, damn material things. I'm not talking about the material things that can come out of that. I'm talking about a a transformation of us as people, as African people, to begin to do for ourselves using the reparations, the money that these people and to, and, and understand this, Jay and the listeners. 
I'm down with reparations because to not fight these crackers for reparations does a dishonor and a disservice to our people who suffered tremendously and who are still yeah, suffering. In Right, and that's why, and, and that's so why. That's why you, you you won't you can't get them or our people collectively to come together and say we're not gonna do this no more. Yeah. Well, but listen, Jay. Let me let me let Jay. Listen, Jay. I, one point. It's one point. Go ahead, quickly. Imagine if our people came together and said we're no longer gonna buy Coca Cola. Do you imagine the effect that that would have in this country? Yeah, tremendous effect. Any 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 big brand name brand probably uh, I would venture to say even though we're only they say we thirty percent I think there were more percentage but some of those brands we may be twenty thirty forty percent of the people who buy them. That's yeah. huge. That's huge. If, if if that percentage would say no, we're not going to, and we adhere to it. We say, no, we're not going to buy, and we don't. Not some brother say, I don't give a damn about that. I'm going to buy anyway. No, we all of them, we say, no, we're not going to do it, would have a tremendous impact. But listen, Jay, I mean, let me uh, get this point to uh, to brother um, Paul. Let me, get, let me make this point. Okay, so I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, because I know we're running out of time. Okay. Um, brother, brother, brother Paul, here's a point that I wanted to make sure we understood about racism. Uh, race is not a real concept. Race is not real historically or biologically. It is a social construct that Europeans created, and you can even trace uh, or go into history. Now, I heard on a on a piece about some other dude writing a book on that. I, I, I didn't catch his name. It sounded like an Italian name. But there's two people that I can say that you can go look up. One is Carol Linnaeus. And Johann Blumenbach, Johann Blumenbach and Carolina Lannis, both 
dealt with the stratification. They're coming out of the um, uh, 16th century. They come, they come up with the stratification of races, of Caucasoid, Negroid, Mongoloid, and some in-betweens. And of course, with the Caucasians at the top and everybody else at a lower position with us at the lowest position. Us at the lowest position. And that's why even today, because of what Europeans have been able to do going around the world, uh, you know, doing what they've done, people who are deeply melanated are shunned everywhere. You can have a country that has deeply melanated people, let's say Vietnam, let's say even uh, uh, Brazil. There's more Africans in Brazil than anywhere except Nigeria. But all of the commercials, all of the TV programs, all this, they're all Caucasian looking. You don't have anybody, uh, anybody of color. And if they are, once again, they're in a subservient position because that is the, the dynamic. So racism, we didn't do it. They did. So there is, that's why when you uh, made that point, which I agree, and that's why I use it, you know, in terms of, uh, I, I, I say that the Caucasian is, is European Caucasian extremism, racism, Absolutely. and privilege. Extremism. I don't use supremacy because they show the hell ain't supreme, but they are extreme. They're not supreme. They are extreme in terms of what they have done. So European Caucasian extremism racism and privilege so i kept the racism in there because they're the ones that created it and perpetrated it see and and of course made I, all... I, go ahead i i hear you Baba Ochi. but you know what i want to ask you the definition how you come about the definition of fascism or or i, I would love to know that i mean it's so on point and i think mm-hmm. it'd be a perfect thing to just remind your listeners of 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 what it means and yeah. what, what you're up against Right, because it's it's perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember where I got this from. I've had it for many years on fascism, and uh, fascism is powerful and continuing nationalism, disdain for human rights, identification of enemies, scapegoats has a unifying cause, supremacy of the military, rampant sexism, control mass media obsession with national security, religion, and government, and intertwined corporate power is protected. Labor power is suppressed. Disdain for intellectuals and and the arts. Obsession with crime and punishment. Rampant cronyism and corporate fraudulent corporation, rampant cronyism and corporation and corruption and fraudulent fraudulent elections yeah i thought that was wow it. yeah when wow. i seen that wow. when i seen that i was like yeah that's it <laughs> that's wow. fascism that's serious. and that's and then and then that's as serious. i looked at that i looked at of course societies of, of in in various times how that how that word played out how fascism played out and look at the individuals and of course what they did and what governments did and it fit and that's what that's why I believe this is a fascist government and fascist. Absolutely. You know, perfect. Yeah. You know, Baba, you know, I'm always grateful for giving me the opportunity to speak. And, you know, um, I, I just thank you for the work you do. And well, I appreciate um, it. Brother. Know, keep up the good work. Thank you. Um, greatly appreciate it. All right, brother Paul. Thank you, man. You have a blessed and wonderful day, man. Stay cool, man. OK, stay cool. Try to. All right, my brother. Peace <laughs> to you. OK. Thank you. All right. 
Brothers and sisters, we end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the minds of the oppressed. This program is dedicated and committed to helping to free the African mind. But not just the M-I-N-D, but the M-I-N-E, because under the feet of African people lies all of the resources that everybody wants, think they can't do without, and they sure in the hell, damn it, don't want to pay for Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed and wonderful day. Stay cool up in here, okay? Shimhotep means go in peace. Asante sana means thank you. Bifahodie, Bifahodie means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, we will be victorious. You have a blessed day. Hope to see you on Wednesday. Peace, family. <laughs>